0: In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength, the Word of God. You can be seated. You know, sometimes mornings like today when the anointing is so strong, the presence of God is so strong, I actually don't want to preach. But I know we come, we need the Word of God. But I just want to worship God. I want to praise Him. But I do believe God has a Word today. And, you know, one of the things Jesus said in John 16, when he was talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit will, sp- speaks about convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, but it also says, the work of the, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, he's the one that brings you to Christ, so that he will be with you and in you, but he says the Holy Spirit is a person, it's a he, and one of the things he will do, he will tell you and show you the things to come. The things to come. So the Holy Spirit can show us, he can get us excited about our future, doors that are about to open, things God's got planned for. You don't actually know the details of them, but the Holy Spirit is such an exciting companion. He can get you excited about your tomorrow, but he can also give you warnings about your tomorrow. He can show you some things to come that could Make you tremble, and in the Old Testament, the the prophets, all of them actually, particularly Isaiah and Jeremiah, in a time of great prosperity for Israel, these two prophets were prophesying that bad dark days were coming, and most of the things they said they were mocked, and uh, but their 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 role was to prepare God's people so God's people were not surprised or astounded or dismayed by what was about to happen. The impending storms, God's people were warned about. And in in all, from kind of all from Isaiah chapter 1 all the way through, almost to 40, Isaiah is speaking in some form about judgment, but particularly from chapters 23 to 26, 27, 28, he's speaking very specifically about how how bad society became and this is why God was going to bring a chastening. And he says, the treacherous dealers dealt treacherously. In verse 16 of chapter 25, The treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. He goes on to say in other places that truth has fallen down in the street. Nobody was true, and such. It was treachery, and and in uh, verse 19 he speaks about the earth is violently broken up. It's split open. The earth is exceedingly shaken, and um, and and. He speaks about also the city of confusion has been broken and, 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 and does, don't worry, when the judgment comes, the people that are wicked, if they fall into a pit, when they get out, they're going to fall into a snare. Like the, the judgment's going to be inescapable, what God is about to do. He goes on and on and on uh, for chapter after chapter after this, speaking and, and warning God's people about this impending storms. He goes through what's going to happen to Moab, and he goes through what's going to happen all these places, and then he finally gets to Babylon, which was the superpower of the day, and nobody could believe anyone could touch Babylon, but he says Babylon's going to be destroyed in this great shaking. He says God is going to shake the whole world, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So that's his message, and in verse 8 of chapter 26... He says, this is why. He says, yet in the day of your judgments, O Lord, we have waited for you. And Verse 9 says, when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And Isaiah is saying, God's great interest is just, it's not your health, it's not your prosperity. God's great interest in the earth is righteousness. And, and Isaiah is saying that because the, the, the people have ignored the prophets, have ignored God's people, they have not repented, they've not come back, they're so treacherous, they're gone their own way, he says God now is going to school them with his rod. That's what the message of Isaiah is about. God is now going to school you with the rod. And you know, when you speak like that, even today, he was a prophet. And in the New Testament there's a prophet called Agabus and he said to Paul Paul was going to go into a city and Agabus put a belt around him and said you know there's trouble ahead in that city for you. And so the role of the Holy Spirit in the work of prophecy is one of the, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to show us things to come and sometimes those things are not positive. The trouble with the prophetic ministry today is we've been told that if it's a prophetic word it's got to be positive. But if God's warning you of something, this is why there, there, someone said to me the other day, I was at a pastor's conference, how come none of the prophetic voices in this nation were speaking about coronavirus or the coming darkness? It's because they've been taught that every prophetic word's got to be, impo- be encouraging. But they don't understand what encouragement really means. Encouragement means the word comes and it gets to the place where you're fear, where there's fear, and it destroys that and imparts courage. That's what it is to encourage with a prophetic word, but it doesn't have to be positive. So here we are, and, and Isaiah is actually saying there are challenges coming because a prophetic voice is not, it's not about the power of positive thinking. A prophetic voice speaks in reality, not afraid of reality. It's not a negative doom and gloom, but is able to speak reality. And he says, there's a time coming where God is going to shake everything. And I actually believe that we ourselves are in a time where the shaking that began with the coronavirus is not finished. And I have a sense in my spirit, God keeps speaking to me about two types of things that are coming. One is a financial collapse. I used to be a trader in the financial markets, and there is a perfect storm and I'm telling you, there is going to be a wipeout of the stock market because it cannot avoid it. And and this is this is just what's going to come. There is there are challenges that are going to be ahead of the world like we've never seen before. And secondly, for the church, we are going to face challenges and problems from this Marxist leftist ideology. That it, it's it's going to be very very difficult. Even now in New Zealand, there is a church over there called church and uh, this church has been officially warned by the New Zealand government uh, of impending government intervention if they do not remove from their website their controversial beliefs on marriage now listen they're not saying on on their website that you have to affirm these beliefs it's just a simple Statement of faith from a Christian school about what they believe, and the government is now saying, unless you remove that, that there is in, there, there is an impending, a punishment coming. So we we are we are just see that there, like Isaiah, there are storms on the horizon. There are storms on the horizon, and so we we, we actually have to understand. The prophetic voice will not just tell you what you want to hear. won't just tickle your ears about prospering and increasing all the time. It will actually get the church and God's people ready when there are winds coming, when there are storms coming. And I believe God's people really need to be prepared. And praise God, in 2020, at the start of all this, God told us deep darkness was coming. But the hour of the world's darkness would be hour of the church's glory. So we're excited rather than dismayed. I believe that God wants us to understand that the prophetic word doesn't always have to be. You're going to be a world changer. I also think what we need to understand about the prophetic ministry is also that the prophets have often been portrayed, Jeremiah, as gloom and doomy people. And I don't believe that for a second. I believe that Isaiah and Jeremiah were able to be in a place where God revealed to them what's coming. They'd actually tremble at what was coming, but they were positive, happy people because they knew their God. They were they were their disposition because when you we read through all the, the judgments in chapter 25, Isaiah starts to say, "Oh Lord, you are my God." I'm you. I will praise your name. He's just spoken. For you have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithful as truth. And in verse 9 he says it will be said in that day, behold this is our God. We have waited for him. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Jeremiah was the same. He, he pronounced all this in, in, up, up and coming judgment and gloom. And now and, uh, destruction. But he said, for thus says the Lord, just as I have bought on this great calamity of this people, so I bring them all the good I have promised them. So his focus was that God was going to use his discipline and his chastening, but the purpose of it was to bring them back to God and then God would release his goodness over their lives again. And Jeremiah, as you can see how positive he was, because in chapter 29 of Jeremiah, where we know that great, passage, it starts by speaking. Jeremiah is saying to the people, even though you go into captivity and even though you're going to be in a land which is a discipline and a chasing of God, he says plant your houses, build houses there, plant gardens there because that you may be increased there and not diminished. So he was positive. Even in the midst of judgment, he saw that God's people would see goodness come out of this that God's people would increase and they would not diminish. So there was not like this doom and gloom. Because many people today, there are some people the Holy Spirit is giving them a sense of headwinds to come. And, and they, are, they are focused not on the goodness of God, not on the mercy of God, not on the distinctness of the Christian, but the danger is their focus becomes the storm. And their focus becomes the problems that are coming ahead. And when that happens, you, your mind will start to worry. You will cease living by courageous faith. You will start to have your heart filled with fear instead of faith. And it will overtake your heart. Even this weekend, I got a, a message. I was actually invited to go. I don't know why I was invited. I just I, I imagine it was one of those emails where a million pastors got an invite. But it was to a conference in America where the focus was Armageddon, the mark of the beast, and determining who the Antichrist was. And it's all counterproductive, it's all rot, it's all unnecessary, because there is not an ounce of faith in any of it, and without faith it is impossible to please God. And some people, they're withdrawing and moving to Tasmania, all these sort of places, not to do ministry, but just to keep themselves safe because of the impending judgment. And then none of it is God's plan. But this is God's plan. God's plan wants you to be aware. He wants you to be aware that difficult times are coming. But this is what He said. He said, you will keep Him, verse 3, in perfect Peace, whose mind is that. Now that word perfect peace is really, this is a very, it's the only time I've seen it translated like this in the Hebrew. The translation for that peace, perfect peace means, it means peace, peace. It means the Hebrew, it's like, extraordinary peace, a double portion of peace. And for the, for the Hebrew, that word peace, shalom, was the greatest language in the Hebrew dictionary because it meant a sense of wholeness. It meant a sense of well-being. M- m- it meant a, a sense of prosperity and the favor of God being a, upon your life. It, the word shalom means that all is well. All is well, inwardly, relationally, with God, with my neighbors. And it's saying God's plan for you is double peace. It is peace, peace, even though the storms are coming, even though the hardships are coming, even though there may be no no, uh, figs on the vine, even though the vineyard may be empty. God's plans for his people is shalom, shalom. It is a double portion of well being and wholeness, not a single portion, but a double portion. Your soul shall prosper and it says it actually says he will keep that means doesn't mean you'll you'll attain but it means that God will set peace around you like a sentry that's what the word keep him means God will guard your heart and in the midst of what it means practically in the midst of difficulty in the world doesn't mean there's going to be absence of challenges for you But in the midst of your challenges, you are going to have a deep inner knowledge. This is Shalom Peace. That I'm held by God. That I'm loved by God. That I'm distinct to God. I'm peculiar to God. I am protected by God. I am provided for God. I am held in the midst of all this in the hand of my God. In the midst of all the difficulty. And that peace Isaiah says, God's people will have no matter what. No matter what comes, God's people will have shalom, shalom. Peace, peace. But there's two things required. Isaiah says here, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Now, it's really, really important. The mind is the battlefield. I want to spend time here. This is why it's so important. I keep speaking, I've preached a number of times on your focus. It's very important when the media, you know, we, you, we have media coverage today like never, no other generation. You've got all day on your phone. Got, and if your focus becomes the news, you, your focus becomes the events. Your focus becomes the circumstances and the challenges. And, and you know, the word here means... The the word mind in Hebrew is translated. It's, it's, It's only used here once, this word, in all of the Old Testament. But the word mind is creative imaginations. So, your mind, what it will do if it is not trained and your mind is looking at all the circumstances and all the collapses and all the calamities and all the shortages and all the problems, your creative imaginations will bring scenarios which are only going to create fear in your life. So it's very, very important in this season that you are able, whose mind is stayed on God, that you're able to control your thoughts, that you're able to deliberately fix your mind, not on circumstances, but on God. But on God, on God's faithfulness, on God, when your mind is fixed on God, when the circumstances are, are, are hard, when there, there's lack, your, your mind, when it's fixed on God, is thinking about Jesus Christ multiplying food for 5,000 people. Jesus Christ saying, Seek first me and my kingdom and all things will be added to you. Your mind is full of hope. Your mind is full of victory. But when your mind is just thinking all the time, on taking information, what the world is saying, your creative imaginations will become all negative and all fear-based. And this is a time, I've, I've just known myself in the last couple of years, you have to be able to tear down the high things. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says warfare, tear the high things that exalt themselves, against the promises and the word of God. You have to know what's going on in your mind. And if you find yourself getting fearful, anxious, worrying, it's because of what you're thinking. And he says, this shalom, this double peace is conditional upon your mind being stayed, deliberately fixed on God and his goodness and his favor and his prosperity and His blessings, and His love for you. That's why Philippians says, fix your mind on these things. What is noble, what is good, what is virtuous. It's very, very important. And I want to say, how do you do that? How do you make sure that your mind is being informed? We are promised in the Holy Spirit. We don't have the mind like the rest of We're actually promised in the Holy Spirit that we can have the mind of Christ. Christ never had a fearful thought. He never had a, a thought apart from that which his father was giving him, that he was loved, he was kept, he was protected. He was the apple of his father's eye. So important because Isaiah 17.10 says, the people are going to fail. Isaiah is prophesying, he says, the people are going to fail, he says. Israel is about to fail. It's, it's because they have not been mindful of the rock of ages or of the rock of their strength their their mind has not been full of christ whereas the reason isaiah was a happy prophet he knew all this problem was coming But he had his mind. Don't tell me he didn't know Christ. He knew Christ, the pre-incarnate. He had his mind. Where do you get your mind full of Christ? I tell you, there's only one way to get it. And it's not by just saying, I know the promises of God. Isaiah says here, he says, we have waited for him. Verse 9, I'll be said in that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We'll be glad and rejoice in him. So that means Isaiah was a praying man. He knew what it was to go into his prayer closet and just wait on God, to seek the face of God. Because when you get in that place, there comes a time when the Holy Spirit comes into your prayer closet and imparts the mind of Christ to your mind. He imparts the, the mind. you just got to stay there long enough and all the fear thoughts go all the nonsense all the things the world's trying to put your mind is renewed in the place of prayer your mind gets renewed there's only one, one place where you're on your knees and you see the rock of ages you see Christ you see that he's got you you see who he really is and all your problems fade away and this is where Jesus says I can give you peace, not as the world gives. That's a, that's a deep inner peace. The world can only give you peace that's dependent upon the circumstances. But Christ says, when you come into the place of prayer, when you come into the prayer, closet, I impart to you the peace which transcends understanding. It's above the mind, but it infuses the mind. And you know, my God is with me. My God has a plan. I am different to the rest of the world. I am favoured by God. He's going to multiply my seed. He is going to keep me. He's going to protect me, no matter what's happening out there. I am His child, and He's got me. Amen. I tell you, it, it is so important because I—people who know me know I actually believe in a in a rapture. I believe Christ is coming, and I believe before the great tribulation. I, I'm not. I'm not hard and fast in this. I. I, I, I if it, if, if it happens halfway through the tribulation, well, I was wrong. And I, I don't have special revelation. But I, knew, I do know there's a rapture. God showed me many, many times there is a rapture. And I personally believe, because of the way the scriptures unfold, that it's before the tribulation. But this is the great tribulation. I believe Christ will come and take us before. But that doesn't mean I don't believe in suffering. That does not believe I don't believe that the church, God's people, are going to go through form of tribulation. Many of the afflictions of the righteous. The New Testament, I remind you, the New Testament was written with a lot of prison and a lot of head cutting. And with the spirit that's coming into the world today, there's every possibility that pastors could go to prison just by saying marriage is for a man and a woman. That's, that. I'm just, I'm not speaking, that's just where we are. That's just being a realist. And if the church just keeps saying, happy, 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 the church is not prepared. The church has to understand that there are storms coming and God allows some storms because he's using his rod to bring righteousness. But in the midst of it, in the midst of it, God has promised you, Double shalom. Perfect. Peace, peace. Like Stephen. I believe, I believe this happens with every martyr. Stephen in the early church, where they came to stone him, he said, I believe I've heard testimonies from Fox's Book of Martyrs. Many people who went to the stake said they said this, they saw the same thing as Stephen. That when the time came, he saw heaven open and Christ standing. He had perfect shalom. Perfect peace right to the end. That's what God's promise. But what you need to be able to do, you need to know. And we need to be people in this time that really do wait on God. That has to be, I believe God was saying that the first part of this service, if you wait on God, as I wrote in another part, that in the midst of trouble, you know, you will not grow weary. You will not faint. You'll walk and run. You'll not faint. You'll run and not grow weary. If you wait on God, as you wait on God, the Holy Spirit imparts strength into your being that I can't even understand. But you can continue to run. You continue to walk when even young people are fainting. When people who are naturally fit, they're fainting because what's happening on the world. They're fainting because they've never seen this before. But those who wait on God will not faint. They will continue to walk. They will run. They will not become weary. That's just grinding me down. There's difficulties. They will not become like that. They will receive power and strength. As they wait in the secret place. And in that time, their minds will be informed by God's promises and God's faithfulness and His love for them. And they'll not be shaken by anything. Not be shaken by anything. You know, the, the problem where there's, uh, i tell you just to, to digress, the problem where we have what I call, I think David Wilkinson coined the term pillow prophets. You know, there was a time in Rwanda where uh, there were just a lot of people just feeding the church. This kind of God's plan is just to always bless you, always bless you, always. That's our God's only plan. And there's, you know, if you have any problems, it's because of you, you've got no faith, all that kind of talking. And then there was a couple of people, prophetic voices, who actually could see what was happening with all the kind of racial stuff and the tribal tensions. And they started to prophesy. That, that problems were coming and people needed to steal themselves. After the genocide, people went through, pastors went through the camps where people had survived. And those people that had been told God's only plan for you was blessing ease and comfort, when they tried to give them Bibles, they wouldn't take it. They said, we, we were promised. We were free of all this. But God's never promised that. In fact, Peter says those in Christ Jesus will suffer. But it's how the Christians suffer that is the difference. Christian is promised. Perfect. Perfect. Shalom. Shalom. God's favor. God's blessing. God's love. God's goodness. God's wholeness. A double portion when trouble comes. That's God's promise. Perfect peace. Perfect, unrockable peace. So he says the key and the condition is your mind. But he says there's another condition here. He says, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trusts in you. And you know, uh, Jeremiah Kind of the the kind of sidekick, if you like, to to uh, Isaiah. I've forgotten where my passage is. Oh, here it is. Uh, It's coming back. Um, He he, he he speaks about judgment, and he's the same as Isaiah. He's saying to people, "In the most prosperous time in all of Israel's history." Jeremiah was prophesying. This is, you know, you're wicked. You you take advantage of people. You neglect the poor. Society's corrupt, and and you know what? Just if you don't think we are, we are like in really immoral times. I was just hearing someone was telling me this week that a a Hollywood A-lister made the statement that if you knew how the rich and famous, how debauched their celebrations are. This is not a believer. He just says, I believe recrimination, divine recrimination is inevitable. <laughs> They're just the days we live in. And, and Jeremiah lived in similar days where Israel had lost its calling, the society become completely corrupt, and he knew judgment was coming. He knew judgment was coming. And he, as I, knew that he had to keep his mind fixed on Christ, but he also knew the importance of trust. And this is what he wrote. He, he speaks about Jeremiah 17, the first chapter 16 and 15 before that. The start of chapter 17 is, is Jeremiah saying judgment is coming. But he says when judgment comes, there's two realities. He says there's only two realities for God's be- the only two realities that you're going to experience. You're going to experience the curse or the blessing, in the midst of judgment. And he says this, he wrote this, he says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, who makes fleshy strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert, shall not see when good comes. I've seen that many times. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be grand and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from, year, from yielding fruit. Notice he doesn't say drought's not coming and he doesn't say the heat's not coming. But he's saying when the heat comes... When the drought comes, there are a group of people who will not be anxious and will not stop yielding fruit. They will continue to prosper, continue to, to, to be fruitful for God. They will not stop. They will not be affected by anxiety. And the difference is when heat comes in who they trust. And he says, to break this down, He says, cursed is the man who makes flesh his strength and trusts in man. That's like, when the heat comes, what do you do? It's a good test. Where's the first place you go when heat comes, when problems come, when challenges come? Do you get on the phone? Do you look to people? Do you run to the government? Do you try to get some more money from the government? Do you you look for human solutions? This is what the Bible calls the arm of the flesh. Or is your first instinct to call on God and say, God, you alone are my sufficiency. You are Jehovah Jireh. You're my provision. I need no one but you. You're my plan A. You're my plan B. You're my plan C. And all my hope and trust is that you're going to hold me. You're going to change it. You're going to meet the need. You're going to fix it. You are going to work for me. But I have no other plan other than God. That's what it is to trust in God. And God says, when the heat comes, his His plan for you is not only fruit, but increasing fruit. When the drought hits, not to affect you, you're going to continue to be fruitful. When the problems come, he says, he will not be anxious in the year of drought because he trusts in me. I want to tell you, heat's coming. And and I don't care if it upsets anybody. People say, oh, don't say that because your, your words are going to make it happen. No, 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 no. Holy Spirit shows you the things to come. And the Holy Spirit allows us to be a realist. But God's promise is in the midst of it. In the midst of whatever challenge you are going to know, you are held by God. You are the beloved of God. God watches of. You are peculiar. You're distinct from other people in the world. That God is going to hold you. His, his favor for you is forever. It's for life. He is going to continue to prosper. He's going to continue to make you fruitful, even in the year of drought. And your soul, even if they're going to put you in prison, you're going to continue to prosper. Even if they cut your head off, you are going to continue to prosper because your mind... Is not on the challenges? It's set upon the rock of ages. Because your mind is fixed. It is deliberately, I'm seeing Christ. I'm seeing his goodness. I'm seeing his commitment for me. I'm seeing his strength. And I'm drawing. As I'm seeing, waiting on him, I'm drawing that strength. I'm drawing the mind of Christ to be my mind in my prayer closet. I, I, I hope in these two years, there's one thing I really believe. I've preached on it many, many times. I hope everyone in this church has learned to wait on God because you've been given time. <laughs> you've been given time to get in your secret place, to press in, because everything comes out of that closet. Everything comes out of getting in that closet, waiting on Him. And in that place, your mind gets renewed, You see him, the rock of ages. You're mindful of him, not your problems. You're mindful of Christ, his word, his promises, his commitment, his love, his goodness. That's how you get double shalom. That's how you get peace, peace. And God keeps you in that place. When you trust Him. They're the two things that are required. A fixed mind and a trusting heart. People were jumping up and down in the morning. They've stopped jumping up and down because of the sermon. But, but you know, it's, uh, I, I, I just, I want to say as a pastor, I've, I've never been more excited because I, I know God is going to bring a revival. Amen. I know we're going to see his glory. But as Isaiah 60 says, it's going to be in the midst of deep darkness. But don't be shaken. Don't be shaken. Whatever comes, whatever you've got to go through, whatever test, whatever trial, If you fix your mind, have your mind fixed on Christ and just continue to trust Him, God is going to turn it all for your good. You're going to glorify Him. Your heart and your... Even if they take your house away, even if they take your money away, even if they put you in prison, He is able to keep you in perfect, perfect peace. He did it for Peter. He did it for Paul. He did it for James. He did it for Stephen. His promise is not peace, it is peace, peace. The heat is coming, but you will not cease from yielding fruit according to the promise of God. Father, I thank you that everyone in here, though the heat comes, though the drought comes, though the markets collapse, though there's lack and there's shortage, Father God, your people will not be anxious. I decree it today that our minds will not be anxious, but our minds shall be fixed on the one who turns a couple of fish and loaves into food for 5,000. The one who is our Jehovah-Jireh, the one who watches over us, who keeps us, who protects us, who provides for us, who carries us in the palm of his hand. Father God, keep our minds fixed on you. And Father God, I thank you that when the heat comes, your word promises that we shall not cease from yielding fruit. In fact, I believe, Lord, you're saying when the heat comes, this, this church, this people will become more fruitful. They'll become more and more fruitful And I declare a season of great fruitfulness. Lord, this is what you're bringing, a season of great fruitfulness, a season of multiplication in fruitfulness. Father God, that your people shall be fruitful like they've never been, in season and out of season, because they trust in you. Father God, help every heart here today, every heart here today that would be tempted to look to the arm of the flesh, Father, to be corrected, to be redirected, that all of our hearts and our hopes, no matter what's going on, Lord, we're able to say, you are my hope. You are my plan. I have no other strategy apart from you, Lord. I look to you alone. And Father God, I want to bless you. You've never failed a man or woman who's done that. You've never failed. Your timing is perfect. And you will keep us in perfect shalom. Perfect, perfect shalom. Through any chance, any storm, any problem, any drought, any depression, any famine, any war, you are our God. We confess it today. We praise you. We bless you. Father God, I come against all anxiety in this house today. Father God, I pray for every mind. Father God, every mind today. Father God, I I say, let every mind be redirected. Every mind be renewed today. And Father God, I speak the mind of Christ into every prayer closet. Every prayer closet, Father God, that you will release every day we go in there. Your thoughts. Your thoughts, not our thoughts, Father God. Your thoughts of victory. Your thoughts of overcoming. Your thoughts, oh Lord, triumph. Because that's who you are. Father God, we bless you and praise you. You're so committed to us. Though heat comes, we trust in the one who made the heat, who works all things for the good of us in the heat. In Jesus' name. Stand up and start to praise him. He is so good. He is so committed to you. Praise him for his shalom. Praise him for a double portion. If you're troubled in your mind and you're thinking, someone will pray for you today. I believe God's going to renew people's minds. People are going to position you for peace position you to be steady for whatever comes, because God is our God. Amen. Hallelujah.